Should we, so questions, should we just jump right into talking about Taylor Swift or should we like give background on why we're doing this podcast? I think we should give background. It's kind of full introduction episode. Yeah. So Rebecca and I met when we were almost 15. We were 14. It was our freshman year of high school. And we very quickly bonded over the fact that we were both obsessed with Taylor Swift. And then Lizzie and I met in Disney World because we were both doing our college program and very quickly bonded over the fact that we were both obsessed with Taylor Swift. (laughs) Yes. Bailey and I became friends in high school. We were, what, 15 as well? I don't think we were 15. I think we were only 14. Because we're youngsters. Yeah, we changed Um, the lyrics to Taylor Swift's 15 so that it said sophomore year instead of freshman year because that's uh, when we were 15. (laughs) That's right. Because we met at the end of freshman or like the springtime, March of freshman. Well, we didn't meet them, but that's when we became Friends. friends. And we bonded over not only our love for Taylor Swift, but a bunch of other things like Degrassi and all the TV shows we used to watch. God, if the four of us all went to the same high school, we would have been best friends who annoyed the crap out of everybody. Right? Oh, yeah. But so then we all were, I was talking to Rebecca about like Loverfest when Lover was coming out. And then I was also talking to Lizzie separately. And then it just kind of was like, why don't we all go together and Lizzie was like oh can Bailey come too you'll love her I promise (laughs) and so we got tickets and we like had this little group chat on Facebook called Loverfest (laughs) where we just talked about Taylor Swift then Loverfest got canceled and then Taylor dropped folklore and we were literally talking all the time I feel like every single day we were talking about Taylor Swift And I just had this idea while I was like driving home from a friend's house and I called Rebecca on the phone and I was like, we're doing a podcast. Well, you just like said it as an idea. And then I was like, oh my God. Well, I had already told Rebecca we were doing it. I didn't have a choice. (laughs) I asked her what she thought and she said she was down. So I was like, okay, now we got to get Lizzie and Bailey on board. (laughs) I guess there are worse things to be coerced into. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty much how everybody's friendship with me goes. I eventually force them to do things that I want to do. Are you ready for it? Welcome to Ready For It, a Taylor Swift podcast. I'm Chandler. I'm Rebecca. I'm Bailey. And I'm Lizzie. So be fearless. Speak now. Put on your favorite shade of red. While shaking it off in a getaway car. Because sometimes you need to calm down and wrap yourself up in your favorite cardigan to find some happiness. And listen as we talk about the iconic poet herself, Miss Swift. Oh yeah, I'm Chandler. I'm Lizzie. I'm Bailey. I'm Rebecca. Yay, so this is our podcast. Yes, the podcast called... Ready for it? A Taylor Swift podcast. I feel like every time we go to get started on like a song, we should be like, are you ready for it? (laughs) That's cute. I love it. Yeah, it's kind of hard to, well, it it was actually kind of fun to go back to the beginning of Taylor because she just recently dropped her ninth album. (laughs) Yes. And so we're all a little bit still in shock about that. Yeah. And also like today is Taylor's birthday. And, like, we didn't, like, plan. It's not, like, two days ago Taylor Swift dropped (laughs) Evermore. And we were like, let's do a podcast. Like, we'd been planning to record on her birthday for a couple of weeks now. And so just the fact that Evermore dropped. (laughs) Yeah, it was definitely a coincidence. So just giving us more um, substance. More content. Yes. Uh, More content. I do want to go ahead and put it out there. I think that there's a third album. I'm going to go ahead and say it. I think there's a third album coming out in April. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I I thought people were like crazy when they were talking about her ninth album coming out. And then it did. So I'm just going to put it out there. And we can see in April if I was, you know, on the right side of history or not. Yes. I wonder if it would be like a third folklore slash Evermore tie or if it would be one of her re-recordings. I I like the theory of the Brother album. But we're not going to go on this tangent. Because we'll end up talking about it. And we'll, we're digressing from the actual, you know, intro, yeah. I guess. Let's, talk, let's go ahead and talk about the very yeah. first song that she okay. ever released, which was Tim McGraw. And 
let's let's talk about the background of like her debut album slash this song. All right. So pulling up my little research. So we all know, well, I don't know if everybody knows, but she wrote this song with Liz Rose, correct? Yes. It was Liz a- Rose did a lot of her previous songs yes. as well. It, I, when I was doing my research, she like wrote a lot with Liz Rose before she even got her like recording deal when she just had the publishing deal. They wrote a lot together. Yeah, didn't they like um didn't she have like a standing date with like Liz Rose where like after school her mom would pick her up and like drive her and drop her off and her and Liz would just sit and like write songs together. Yeah, well I, it was like not like a casual thing like she was like 14 years old and she was hired to she was hired like she was given a publishing deal so she was hired to write songs and it was like she was hired not just to write songs for other artists but for herself like she that's what her after school job was basically pretty cool at 14 i know the song was written by or it was written about her senior boyfriend who was going off to college yeah and she wrote it in math class yes and it it the melody just came to her yeah like right like what I have a quote she said I was just sitting there and I started humming this melody I kind of related it to the situation I was in I was dating a guy who was about to go off to college I knew we were going to break up so I started thinking about all the things that I knew would remind me of him surprisingly the first thing that came to mind was that my favorite country artist is Tim McGraw thus creating the song Tim McGraw and I feel like, didn't she per- end up performing the song for Tim McGraw like multiple times, but the first time... It was in 2007 at the Academy of Country yeah. Music Awards, and she literally sang the song, walked out into the audience, stood in front of him, and when it ended, she was like, hi, I'm Taylor. And I remember seeing that on TV. Wasn't that, very, wasn't that one of her very first like live performances? I, I think so. I don't I don't know about like if it was one of her first like televised performances, but it was I mean, it was in 2007 and she released her debut album in October of 2006. So that I mean, right. it was pretty, pretty early in her career. Yeah, I, when I was doing my research, I found this quote and it basically sums up, I feel like Taylor very well. And it's kind of funny because she sets this up. And then for all of us as listeners of her music, we do this very same thing that she did in this song where, you know, she introduced and a lot of country music too, nostalgia and how like powerful it is and how that it kind of invokes like the listeners to relate to some kind of moment in, in their life that was occurring to them when they listened to that music. So which we can say that for all of us, any song, any Taylor song that has come out, no matter, you know, what time in our life, we can relate it to something. I think, yeah. I think it, we still do that. Like, even now, every time I hear, like, an older song and, like, one specific lyric or a line from a song, I'm like, oh, that's perfect for my life right now, even though she wrote the song 15 years ago. Right. It, it's We can relate it to something that's going on currently in her life. And she kind of carries that throughout. But it's interesting that her very first song... She's kind of setting that up because she's saying in the song, like, I'm writing this, you know, about this life experience that I'm going through, you know, but when I think of Tim McGraw, she's saying, like, you know, I hope that you think of me. So, like, you know, it, you know what I'm trying to say? Or am I not making any no, sense? No, you're making sense. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, well, uh, some other things about this was her first single. So this was not just, it's the first song on her first album, but it was also the first single. So this is all of our first introduction. Well, theoretically, it was the first introduction of Taylor to the world. And she said um, that she didn't like think it could be a single, um, but her label was just like, oh, it's a single and they were right. And it did pretty well. Yeah, it was, uh, it peaked at number 40 on, um billboards hot 100 which is crazy for a country song yes yes and i think for what was it for? it was it peaked um number six or number it was number six on the hot country songs that's pretty good and she was yeah she was 16 16. (laughs) um i do have like one more quote from taylor about this song um from so 
the last time, the only time I've ever heard it sung live, like in person was actually at uh, when I was at the reputation tour and she um, sang it with, at first you thought like she was just singing it. And then you thought, Oh my God, Faith Hill. Cause Faith Hill walked out and then Tim McGraw walked out. So all three of them sang the song together. Taylor is famous for the speeches that she gives before certain songs when she's on tour and at the Reputation tour before she surprised us by bringing Tim McGraw and Faith Hill out on stage to sing Tim McGraw with her. She said that Tim McGraw is, quote, a song that really, 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 really changed my life. I mean, I feel like, um, was it Rolling Stone actually came out with 100 best singles of all time this year? They came out with it. Yeah, in 2020, Rolling Stone ranked Tim McGraw at number 11 on its The 100 Greatest Debut Singles. Of I believe that. That that, that makes perfect sense to me. That's pretty remarkable. Does anyone remember because- what Tim McGraw's reaction was? Like, I remember seeing an interview or reading an interview after she performed the song and after it had been released. Like, I feel like I remember him talking about that song like for him does anyone remember what he said yeah he said that it made him feel really old and then he was like but then I found out she was like 14 or 15 when she wrote it so and then she said she thought it was cool he he thought it was cool that young people felt that way about his music he said he didn't think young people knew who he was so like also just a side note you know Taylor opened for a lot of well-known country artists she opened for rascal flats she also opened for when tim mcgraw and faith hill went on their tour together which honestly you know like tim mcgraw was her first well-known uh it was her first single that started it all but honestly for me it was teardrops on my guitar where i yeah same when we get to that song then we can go yeah i think it's important to note too that like a lot of the artists that she opened for like when she started going on tours they started opening for her too and that opened a lot of doors for her like she did a collaborative song with Tim McGraw so it just goes to show that like it really comes like full circle you know yeah and she invited I think George Strait a couple times I think to Mm -hmm. perform with her like a guest appearance for a lot of shows for future shows as well I mean now she's like equally as famous as any of those performers but it you know it not a lot of times. I mean, I, I guess you could say, like, people that opened for her made it as big. Some of them did. I mean, I guess Hunter Sean Mendes is one of them, and he's pretty big. Hunter Hayes, I don't know, though. I, what has I mean, Hunter Hayes done? Justin Bieber opened for her. Yeah. What? Yeah. I'm not I making that up, right? That. Somebody else remembers that. No, he, he opened for her way back in the day. Whole other episode. Right. <laughs> yep, they were on Twitter. Yeah, I I think it was back in like his. I think it was like Fearless tour because it wasn't Speak Now because that's the first tour I went to. That is crazy, but also not surprising. Do we want to get started on the lyrics or did you have any other like background stuff? I have a few more quotes on things that Taylor has said about Tim McGraw, like the song, but it's pretty much repetitive. Um, No, because it basically covered everything that. We talked about where she was. And I mean, it like commercially, how well it was pretty well. Like, it was like well received by critics. Yes. Yeah. And yes. I know it won at least two awards, one for the music video. And then one, I think, was a songwriting award. Yes. So you guys said that you didn't really discover Taylor Swift until Teardrops on My D- Guitar, her second single. Yes. Yes. I actually discovered her with Tim McGraw. And, like, to this day, I still remember that summer and, like, the first time I heard it because I was vacationing with my parents up in Michigan. And we used to vacation at Higgins Lake. And I literally remember being, like, riding my bike down their, like, little gravel lane there and, like, just singing a couple of the verses from the chorus over and over because it just, like, kind of got stuck in my head on, like, you know, repeat because I just, the the emotion that she inflicts in these songs and the way she's able to have such a personal experience universally relate to so many people, I had never really heard it from a songwriter before, even within the country music industry. And the country music industry is obviously very well known for having great lyricists and storytelling. And so like 15 years later, basically, I can still remember that, you know? Yeah, 
I, I personally, like, I don't think I've really ever had a moment where I was like, Tim McGraw really relates to me personally. But like, you can still relate to the feeling, even if there's not a time or a place right. that I can look back on. And because like, like I said, what I heard from Taylor the first time was teardrops. And I quickly like became obsessed with every, I, I remember buying like one or two songs off of iTunes. And then like for, I don't know if it was like Christmas or Easter, I got like the entire album from my parents and I just listened to it all the time. And like now for me, like when you think Tim McGraw, I hope you think my favorite song is like, I hope you think of Taylor Swift. Like that's what Tim McGraw means to me. Yeah. Right. I agree. I also got the CD for Christmas and it ended up in my my mom's beetle punch buggy. We had a green punch buggy growing I up. remember that. <laughs> And we would listen to it on the way to school, that album on repeat when she dropped me off. And so I have a lot of good memories with my mom, like singing that album in the car. Although I won't get into that yet because we're just talking about Tim McGraw. Yeah. (laughs) So do we want to get started on like looking at the lyrics? Yeah, let's go for it. Um, Okay. We can take turns. Lizzie, do you want to take the first little bit? Yeah. So he said the way my blue eyes shined, put those Georgia stars to shame that night. Um, I would add in, I said, that's a lie. I said, that's a lie. So um, I want to point out just the beginning of the song has a 13 second intro. Um, And I know that Taylor has spoken before. We all know 13 is her lucky number, but she's specifically mentioned before, like her first single had a 13 second intro and she was like, this is good. Good luck. She was excited about that. But basically this first little couplet slash I don't actually know if that's what that should be called, but the first few lines um, for me, they really introduced the imagery and like the story and the characters, like, because you get the imagery of like blue eyes shining and like Georgia stars and like this very like quaint little, like I, I, I picture it like the music video, like little cabin by the lake or something like that. I was going to say like, this just sets up just these first lines. Yeah. Like her storytelling. How she is able to do that just yeah right, right literally away. right away and it's like very clear and like it's a clear picture but also like I feel like the line I said that's a lie really sets up like the characters like I know this is personal to her so like it's about her but it also like sets up like the character like how the characters in the song how Taylor and her boyfriend interact with each other in the song. I also think that like right. it's worth pointing out that like, and I know we're only talking about Tim McGraw, but like ever since like folklore and evermore, like I know us, like the four of us, we've been like, oh my gosh, the imagery she paints, she's like a poet. But just like looking back, like she does the same thing in Tim McGraw, and this is her very first song, and it's just like yeah. you don't really realize it until you go back and you're looking at the lyrics and thinking about the lyrics, and you're like, wow, that really does actually paint the picture. Yeah, the, this is her roots. Like, this is yeah. her foundation for everything, and I think that specifically for the context of 2020 folklore and evermore really go back to her roots and even I'm sorry I know I'm talking so much I just want to point out this one more thing is that Taylor has said that some of her earlier songwriting was just her imagining what it would be like to be in love because she really like in high school she had had like maybe two or three boyfriends um, that she wrote about and then everything else was just her like imagining what it would be like to be in love and so I think that really helps the fact that like she's doing all this stuff currently that's like storytelling and fiction and really her earlier stuff was kind of like that too because she was just so young right she didn't have life experiences yet she was just I feel like that really just shows what a storyteller she is just right off the bat I agree absolutely she's got like everything this is coming from an English major you know like right off the bat she's using descriptive language she's I mean, you can't really, like, th- this is a young girl that are writing the, the, these lyrics. I mean, who can you say? I mean, I'm sure there are a ton of other artists out there that have also done the same thing. But I think to me personally, like, I don't know. I, I just knew automatically listening to her early stuff. Yeah. She was different. Uh, in my opinion, she was different than any other artist at that time like, that I was yeah. introduced because of the way that she, like, storytells and, and, you know, writes she actually writes her music and like that was also I guess you know in 2006 
I wasn't really listening to anything very, you know. I was listening to Disney Channel, like uh, Anna Montana. Also, she was only 14 when she wrote this. Like, and we've, we talked in the beginning about this. Like, we all met when we were 14. Well, Liz and I met when you were, when we were 14 and Chandler and Rebecca met when they were 14. But like, like we didn't have that kind of talent. Like we weren't writing songs at the age of 14. No. And if we tried, it was not. I Yo, I'm just going to put it out there. Rebecca and I used to write songs like, <laughs> and it was inspired by Taylor Swift. We totally did it. No way. Okay, this be- <laughs> They were, I mean, I'm pretty well. sure I've got pictures on my phone you and they do. are and so bad. I'm just, yeah, I'm just going to go ahead and say like, don't show anybody those. <laughs> if we make an Instagram account, we can like post it to our Instagram account. Look, if you guys <laughs> make a big songwriting but- industry. This could be worth millions one day. I really wanted to do that. Listen, <laughs> I really liked writing when I was younger. And like, I I wanted to like write books and I wanted to write poetry. And then when Taylor Swift came along, I wanted to write songs. But I, I even like tried to learn how to play the guitar and I was really bad. And my instructor was like, please quit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I play a little bit of the guitar, but I'm not really that good. You learned to play Untouchable, what? didn't you? Yes, yes, but Untouchable well. <laughs> is very easy to play on the guitar because it's just plucking. But it's something, you know. But, you know, I I was the same way, Chandler. I wrote, you know, stories and I was in my own little world. My imagination ran wild, similar to Taylor. I mean, we, I think we all have that in common. She's just really good. And granted, she did have help. Liz Rose helped her. But in later in her song, she is the soul. But even in, like, her earlier stuff, like... If you've heard any of the, like, stuff that she never released, the stuff that was, like, on her very first demo when she was 13 years old, like, that stuff's on Yes. Like, that stuff is good, too. And especially, like, mm-hmm. it doesn't even matter that she was 13. That was good. That stuff is good for, like, most people. Doesn't matter age. To attach a melody to a song to, like, I think that was the hardest part about trying to write a song is trying to come up with an actual song that is catchy that would come up with it melody rhythm everything to come up with the lyrics like i could write a beautiful poem but it, it's hard to oh yeah like that, that my brain doesn't work like that like, and she created this sitting in math class right like she just it just came to right her. like also way to go taylor not paying attention in school but you know what it's yeah fine. We all um let's move on to the next line <laughs> so we're not talking about the first two seconds Song for the entire <laughs> entire podcast um so the next lines are just a boy in a chevy truck that had a tendency of getting stuck on back roads at night the only thing i really want to say about this line is the fact how she was able to rhyme like the rhyming in this yeah. line is like crazy to me yeah and like the flow of it i love the way she says had a tendency like i don't know why i'm obsessed with the way she like sings that yes She's also just like, again, still painting that picture. And well, right here in the, this is considered if this was a, like a actual story, yeah. this is the intro, you know, she's talking about who this boy is and, you know, what kind of things he she does kind of paints the picture of what you like, imagine him to look like. And she never says, oh, he has blue yes, eyes without, or, you know, all of this, I, but she says he drives the Chevy truck. Like, and it has a tendency of getting stuck. So you automatically know what kind of truck it is. Like, it's not one of the big fancy ones, you know? So I think that's important, too. Okay, so I want to say the Chevy truck that had a tendency of getting stuck on back roads at night, I always thought that was her saying they would, like, park on back roads and, like, make out. That's how I... Yeah, that's what I think, too. And that's how I always looked at it. And I just think that line, those lines are so clever. Instead of saying oh, we'd sneak out late at night and go pack, you know, park on some back roads. She said, just a boy in a Chevy truck that has a tendency of getting stuck. Like, that's just so clever the way that she... She paints the image without coming out and saying it. Yeah. Yes, you know, she's been... She's always so good at that. And then her inflection when she sings, that's another thing that she's absolutely, like, a master at. I never got that. This is just obviously my very like simple minded 
like when I was 14 listening to this I didn't get that at all I was very I don't know that I like got that, that when I was but... like 14 and first heard the song but me either but now I do wow looking okay. back you're like oh that's what it is yeah I... but the fact that she was able to come up with that at 14 yeah um that's... okay insane the next line and i was right there beside him all summer long and then the time we woke up to find that summer gone and that's like the lead into the chorus kind of again this is just her like painting the picture of what's going on like we know from what she said this is about her being worried about her boyfriend going away to college after the summer and leaving her and like what what that's gonna be like and she she's basically saying like we were together this whole summer and then all of a sudden the summer's over and summer's gone and now he's gonna be gone I think it kind of paints like a picture of like it makes you feel the pain that she felt like you spend all summer with someone or even Mm -hmm. just in a relationship you spend two years with someone and then you break up and it's just gone like yeah you know, I can definitely see my 14 year old self like relating this to like mm-hmm. some crush or something that I had like that we never even had an actual romance, but we had like a brief t- moment of time that we shared together or whatever. And yeah, again, it is painting that picture that it's gone, you know, like it, you have it one second and then it's gone. And you, you feel like your whole world is yeah. tumbling down. Um, Lizzie, do you want to take the chorus? All right. But when you think Tim McGraw, I hope you think my favorite song. The one we dance to all night long. The moon like a spotlight on the lake. When you think happiness, I hope you think that little black dress. Think of my head on your chest and my old faded blue jeans. When you think Tim McGraw. This is I such a mature way to look at a breakup. Like everybody likes to dog Taylor for writing songs about her exes they always ignore the like nice songs like the this is like such a a content way like being like oh we broke up and it was heartbreaking but I want you to look back fondly on this relationship and she's listing all these things that she wants him to think about and I know she said that that's basically how she wrote it is she was just listing things that she wanted him to remember when he thought about her yeah in a way like that it's beautiful like like again she's this young girl writing this in a very mature way most young kids aren't they're spiting their ex-boyfriends for whatever reason but I feel like this breakup also isn't no to like her future breakups so it is a little bit more innocent I mean this was her first boyfriend Uh, right I think so I think so so and it you know also, I, the line, I hope you think that little black dress, Bailey can contest to this. Every single time any of us wear a black dress. Every time. We think of this lyric. Every time. I don't know why. Like, that's always been the thing. Well, do you remember yeah, Taylor used friends, to wear but... black dresses a lot when she would perform and like in her music videos and like even like she talked about it uh, like a little black dress more than once because um, she talked about it in the platinum edition of the Fearless album in the other side of the door with your face and the beautiful eyes and the conversation. Yeah. I'm not going to go into it. Um, but I think that that is something that's like a motif that Taylor, it, I think it means something to her. And I don't know if it's just because like that was her style back then or if it like means, you know, something else. Yeah. Because it, it is like when I'm reading the lyrics, it is in quotes. So maybe, yeah, it does mean something. It's funny too because I in one of um in one of the One Direction songs they say little black dress. That's a future episode, I get that, but just yes. saying <laughs> she's had some influence <laughs> over other people. But Chandler, I think you're right, going back to what you said, yes. um, that you know, she didn't write this song maliciously and that's what she gets a bad rap for. Um, she says, When you think happiness. She's not saying when you think I hope you get sad when you think of me. That's not what she's saying at all. She's saying when you think happiness, I hope you go back to our relationship because we were truly happy. And that's not malicious or like when we get to picture to burn, that is such a contrast to this. Like it, you have this like kind of very mature breakup. Like we're moving on. We're going our separate ways. We had this great time together. 
right. you know, we have these memories, which she listed, but, yeah. you know, I wish you well, you know, I want you to think happiness. I want Agreed. you to feel good when you think of me. Where in other songs, like songs that we'll get to, she is, you know, express. it's a different kind of breakup. It's a different kind of, you know, so this is amazing that this is her first one. And it is a shame that critics, you know, always go to the songs that are the malicious ones or I wouldn't say malicious, yeah. but I mean it's different situations, it. but you're right. Angry. Um so the second verse September saw a month of tears and thanking God that you weren't here to see me like that. Uh, but in a box beneath my bed is a letter that you never read from three summers back. I love this, like these first couple of lines in this verse because they're such specific details like the letter under the bed, the crying for all of September. Like this is so specific and it's so personal. It's such a personal detail, but it's so relatable to everybody. And I'm, I don't, I don't mean to say that Taylor Swift's the first person who's written a song that everybody can relate to, but a box beneath my bed is a letter that you never read from three summers back. That is so specific. That has nothing to do with my life at all, at all. But I, I still relate to like these lyrics. Right. No, I agree. Same. I mean, also now knowing like the background that this, you know, was about her senior boyfriend who went off to college or went off to do whatever he needed to do and left her behind, essentially, that whole month, the whole first month of school, not having him there. Like, right. I'm sure that was tough. And again, it is relatable in our lives in some way. You know, it might not be that exact moment that we had that because we're obviously not living Taylor's life. But like, it is very relatable. I'm sure we've all gone through breakups or e- even like friendship breakups or, you know, relationship with our significant others in the past we have written it down and and shoved it away and you know or we were in a very spiraling place and they weren't there to see us like that you know that's what she's saying here I think that it also this is also very mature September saw a month of tears and thanking God that you weren't here to see me like that yeah that's exactly I was about going to say. back to the whole maturity thing like she didn't want him to know that she was upset or she didn't want him to see her like that because I guess she figures that he would be upset you know what I mean and I think that's it's a mature thing to say and I don't know that you know if you know if you break up with someone I don't know that you would feel the same way like I would be like no I want you to see me like this you know like <laughs> this is your fault you know right you want them to see right Right. right. Again, it depends on the type of breakup, but she's way ahead of her time. Like, I feel like she is such an old soul. Like, that's like, that is Taylor. And, and she's even in her first single, she is kind of telling you that. Like, she's painting the picture of, I might be young, but I have experiences and feelings, too, that are worth sharing that other people, yes. right, no matter the age, can The fact to. that she was writing letters instead of T9 texting him in 2006. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yes. You're totally right, Lizzie. (laughs) Like, you know, she is so mature and she is, she's always had such an old soul. And I think that's also kind of like a motif that comes out through her songs and, you know, all of her albums. We see that in various places. Um, But her affinity for writing letters is definitely one of them. And so it's cute to see this trait that Taylor has that she continues to carry with her throughout her life. It goes to show that, yes, I'm sure she's different now being in the, the industry and all the experiences she's had to go through. But she's still at the same time that old Taylor who still writes letters, who still writes in her diary. You know, she has that that like magical hopefulness she holds on to. I think you're right. And I mean, this is, yes. you know, another discussion for a future episode, but she carries that with her even through the lover error. Like, she you know she wrote four different she released four different editions of the same album of her diary which just goes to show that you know even 15 years later she still has that affinity to you know just writing things down instead of texting them or whatever right and so sorry um going back to like the the letter 
specifically in the lyric, she's saying there's a letter that you never read from three summers back. So is the song look, is she, I know she wrote it anticipating having to break up because he's going to college, but is she writing from the perspective of herself when she's a senior in high school? And I've never even thought about that until sitting here just now. I was like, what does from three summers back mean? Cause three summers back when she was 14, 15 years old, writing the song, she would have been a literal child. <laughs> right. Oh my God. You, you know what? You might yeah, I that. literally I never thought of that before. You know, and maybe it wasn't so but much like said that. <laughs> and I understand that she wrote it about a boyfriend, but this can be a little bit relatable for like when you know we went off to college. Like I didn't go. Like Liz was my best friend in high school, and we didn't go to the same college. And you know, a lot of things in college would remind me of Liz. Like I met a girl who also loved Taylor Swift, and every time she said something mm-hmm. to me about Taylor Swift, I would think of Liz. Like. You know, so maybe it's to make it a little bit more relatable. It's this can be adaptable for any kind of experience where you're away from someone that yeah. you were, you know, close to for a long time. Yeah. Also, like kind of presently was the music that Taylor just recently released. I mean, she's already doing that here in terms of like setting parts of the song in the future or like the whole entire song is set 20 years in the future she's looking back on an experience this is if that is the case that could be very true for this like she is looking Mm -hmm. back on her years in high school or whatever and and it you know again this is taylor's personal experience that we really don't know but like for all we know she could have also just given what we know about folklore and evermore yeah it's possible or any i mean as a fandom we've absolutely been sleeping on her ability ability to create stories even if it's based on something that is personal to her she can take that one little sliver of a situation and expand it into something completely different and i mean you could say that for songs like you belong with me and speak now and obviously we'll talk about that when we get to them but i mean that could very well be what she's done here as well agree yes I never noticed that from three summers back because if she was a freshman in high right? school, was she in the fifth was grade? This like a she was school in a, She didn't even go. She didn't even live in that state, so it can't. I mean, this right that wouldn't make sense. But okay, so this yeah. actually changes my whole perspective. But I'm glad I'm yeah. doing this because this is what it's going to do. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna read then. I'm gonna skip the chorus because we've already read so go that. straight into the bridge. What did you end Oh, up? I didn't actually say you it's hard not to find it all a little bittersweet. Wait. And looking oh. back on all of that, it's nice to believe. I didn't get to that. Um, but that, it, it goes back to like what we were talking about, the mature way that she's looking at this relationship. She's saying, you know, it's bittersweet. Like, I'm sad, but it was good. Like, Yeah, the, the pain of this yeah, doesn't and, and take away from the up. happiness that we had when we were together. She's saying, right. She's saying exactly what we were just saying and looking back. It's nice to believe. And then she's listening to it again, you know, in the chorus. But again, a very mature way of looking back on a relationship that didn't work out. So reading on. And I'm back for the first time since then. I'm standing on your street and there's a letter left on your doorstep. And the first thing that you'll read. Okay, so I think going back to what you were saying, Chandler, about how this could be from the future, looking back i agree because now so, yeah that from three summers back and I, also lines. this could you know we d- we don't really know everything about the whole situation but again it could be that you know she just is imagining herself doing this like leaving the letter on his doorstep that she never actually does and yeah. it just goes to show that yeah maybe you know, she she's can't... painting the picture like she has that ability to she doesn't even picture, even to... if it's not real even the music that like the music changes obviously this is she a bridge doesn't... so the music is going to change but it gets more dramatic when she's singing these lines and um it adds to like just the feeling of almost like anxiety like when i hear the music and i like think of the lyrics and i'm really thinking about what she's saying in this bridge she's Somebody that she she she's saying I, I'm back for the first time. So we're assuming she hasn't spoken to him since they broke up. And if this is, you know, three years in the future from when they do break up and she leaves this letter on his doorstep, like how nerve wracking would that be? Right. No, but seriously, she like 
in a way, this whole song is that letter. So even if she didn't, you know, send that letter, it's I like how she uses the letter motif, too. Like, it's not just, like, some random thing she brings up in the second verse. We come back to it, and we find out that the chorus is what's in the letter. Like, and then going into the chorus, this Mm -hmm. final chorus, it's it's -hmm. different. She's changed the lyrics. So she says... The first thing that you'll read is when you think Tim McGraw, I hope you think my favorite song. Someday you'll turn your radio on. I hope it takes you back to that place. When you think happiness, I hope you think that little black dress. Think of my head on your chest and my old faded blue jeans. When you think Tim McGraw, I hope you think of me. And like the first little bit when she first starts saying someday you'll turn your radio on, the music gets softer and then it like builds back up and gets more dramatic. And I don't know what that means, but I love it. Well, there was on TikTok, and this was, I, I think I, I saw it in, someone did, like, an in-depth, I don't want to say, like, research into illicit affairs, but that's really what it was. And they were talking about, she goes high on notes, and you can tell that it's a lie. Yeah, I've, I've, I saw that analysis so, of yeah. illicit affairs, too. Yeah, Um. so I think that's probably has a little bit to do with it, you know, and maybe not so much to that extent because this is a very different song from illicit affairs and that probably has a lot to do with it like the music too like rebecca said earlier just the inflection of the music when it gets softer you know when it gets faster when it gets louder it has a lot to do with how the lyric how you interpret the yeah. lyrics and how it affects you personally i guess too yeah I, it, it also like how that like the music getting softer and louder it, it's right. also directly correlating with how Taylor feels herself which I mean that's like any I mean not any musician but most musicians that's kind of what they do but it comes full circle and then in the last line you said the way my blue eyes shine put those Georgia stars to shame that night I said that's a lie and that's how it ends I love that that's my favorite like songwriting trope that Taylor uses and she used to do it all the time where she would take the very first lines of the first verse and she would end the song with it I love it. I love it. Even back when I was in middle and high school, I knew that that was something like I didn't see other people doing that in their music. And I don't know what it is about it, but I loved it. And I still do. It's it's something up because it's almost like as the listener, you get in on this secret that she is saying it. So like, let's say like, or whatever she's describing. And then at the end, like somebody could jump into the song at the very end and not have any clue. But like, because you, the listener... I know you go on this journey right. with her and then at the end it's like you all come to the same conclusion. Yeah. Well, she and it's just like she brings you through this whole story and in the beginning she says, you know, yeah. you said the way my blue eyes shine to those Georgia mm-hmm. stars to shame that night I said that's a lie. And then in the music, in the actual song there's a little bit of a pause before she continues. But then, you know, she keeps going through this whole thing and she keeps yeah. painting the picture and really keeps, you know, digging the knife in a little deeper. <laughs> you know? And then I mean, if you think about it, it's like a show. Like, you know how sometimes TV shows, they start you off at the end and then you have to rewind and go back to see. It's like she's painting a moment. It's a moment. She is saying she's talking to him. The blue eyes are shining. Maybe maybe she was like this right before he left. She's bringing it back to the beginning. She was seeing the future. I get what you were saying about like TV shows that start at the end and then you rewind and then you see what happened and what led up to getting there. But we're starting at the beginning and then we're seeing what's going to happen or like what has happened in the future. And then she's bringing us right back to the beginning. Right. She just rewinds. It's like she is capturing a single moment and then she's going further into that moment and and analyzing it. Even in the second verse, she talks about her crying and she talks about the letter. And then she talks about, you know, in the bridge, she talks about leaving the letter on his doorstep and standing in front of his house or on the street or whatever it is. And then she brings it back full circle like, hey, I know I just mentioned this letter, but by the way, I, I, he, he said the way my blue eyes shine put their short star shame that night. I said, that's a lie. And then she just ends it like. She paints this whole picture and then it's like, oh, hey, by the way, I just want to bring you back to this, this one point. Okay, that's it. Bye, everybody. Thanks for coming to my TED Talk. (laughs) (laughs) To me, when she's saying that line at the very end of the song, it kind of like, 
the way she sings it sounds like wistful almost like she's looking back on it with fondness as opposed to the beginning of the song when she first introduces us it sounds like she's more in that that present moment and but at the end it sounds like she's looking back Mm -hmm. that makes sense well, you know, the reason why she stuck with, like, the country label yes. so long is because, to her, it was more about how she was writing songs rather than what they sounded like. Right. And controversial, I'm sure, especially in the music industry. But her writing, even at her most pop, I think her writing is still very rooted in this country way of telling a story. I agree. Right. That storytelling. Yeah, because not a lot of pop yeah, music. Yeah, I mean, no, it doesn't need to have a whole lot that. of substance because that's not, not saying that pop music doesn't have substance. I'm a huge fan of pop music. I'm not saying anything bad about it. But, you know, sometimes you hear a pop song and it's like, this is the same couple of words repeated over and over again on a catchy beat. Yeah, like songs. to what Chandler was just saying, I think that the way Taylor writes is with a lot of depth. And that was something that was hard for her to like try and I don't want to say overcome in pop music because like you, like we've been saying with pop music there's pretty much a specific formula to like make a hit pop song, um, and yet she was still able to do that with like blank space and I know that's a totally different topic so I won't really get into that and still keep a like a story writing clever, witty ability yeah. about her yeah in that song. I agree. Well, you know, and even in 1989, like, I mean, again, another story for another time, but it's, you know, that's one of her, you know, more poppy albums, but she's still able to paint the picture. You can still see, you can still see what she's trying to say without seeing it. Yeah. And I, I like right. I said, just that her country roots, her storytelling roots, like it's always going to go back to that. Yes, and we see that really shine with folklore and evermore. Yeah, we agree. Um, so I don't know if you guys looked oh, yeah. into what the secret message in these lyrics were, um, but it's um, it's can't tell me nothing, which is actually the song that wow. she's referring to when she says, "I hope you think my favorite song, can't tell me nothing" by Tim McGraw. So I don't know if everybody, a lot of like younger Swifties, like and Taylor Swift fans, um. And especially a lot of newer Taylor Swift fans who were only here since like maybe 1989 came out. They don't know that she used to Decode put clues. Yeah, yeah, she every in her album booklets, the right. lyrics would have, it would be all lowercase and then she would capitalize random letters and it would always spell out a secret message um, to t- give you a hint about what the song is about or who it's about. Who it's about. Um, That's funny. She- you know, what's interesting is that in all of her previous albums, except for Folklore and Evermore, everything was like, you know, Tim McGraw. It was capitalized. Like, Tim was capitalized. McGraw was capitalized. Obviously, it's a name. But, like, Teardrops on My Guitar, all of that was capitalized. But in Folklore and Evermore, it's all under, it's all lowercase. And, you know, um, the only, the closest she's ever come is Reputation. Yeah. She always stylized the name of the album in all lowercase. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're right. Right. Yeah. This, I think the titles of the songs were all in uppercase, but um, the album title, it's always lowercase. Right. Yeah. So for fun, I just looked up the lyrics for Tim McGraw. We're not going to obviously go. This isn't a Tim McGraw podcast, so we wouldn't. For the song, Can't Tell Me Nothing. But it's interesting that in Tim McGraw's song, he kind of does the same exact thing that Taylor does in her song, Tim McGraw, by saying like, because he's talking about like, he goes, her mama said, boy, don't come here. And then he's saying, my daddy said, buy it. Like, yeah, again, yes. country music has this way of, like, p- telling a story at the end, going right back to the beginning. I've actually, I, I haven't either. I, I knew that was the name I of the song based the song. off the secret message and then, like, some things that Taylor has said herself about um, this song. But I've never, I've never looked it up. I don't, and I don't know. I wasn't always a big country fan. Taylor Swift was, like, in, like, Carrie Underwood and Miranda Lambert. Those were my exceptions. So. Do you guys want to pick out and say what our favorite, yeah, like I mean, each of our favorite lines from this song are? Sure. Who wants to start? Because I'm not ready. <laughs> yeah, I'll start. Um, I'm going to be honest. I think it's the bridge. The whole bridge? The entire bridge. Yeah. That's a good one. I just, I don't know what it is about her bridges, but every time I'm like, oh, you didn't have to, you didn't have to hit me like that. 
The moon like a spotlight on the lake. Those I would say either just can't pick one. the one we danced to all night long, not all night long, the moon like a spotlight on the lake. I just love the imagery of that. But if I had to pick another one, I would say it's probably the very beginning of the second verse. September saw a month of tears and thanking God that you weren't here to see me like that. Because again, I just love the imagery of like, instead of her saying, I cried all September long because you weren't here. She's like, September saw a month of tears. Love the way that that is written. Again, it goes back to the maternity. Yeah. Bex? Um, I was going to say, for like almost the exact same reasons, Chandler, but different lines, the Chevy truck and the tendency of getting stuck lines. It's just so clever the way that she worded that and alluded to their whatever you want to call it backwards rendezvous that sounds like really bad for a 14 year old <laughs> just like two teenagers being in love. Senior. yeah Does that yes they're in the truck and yes. singing be the last song when this song is yes. like the ultimate quintessential like small town teenage romance yep. summer romance yep. i feel I mean, like i know, you know? We, you just brought up um the last yeah. song but i'm surprised there's not a specific nicholas sparks book that's you know based right. on the song right it kind of like i guess the notebook could kind of fit because they dated over the summer and then she got <laughs> i mean she got sent away not him and then he ended up enlisting so i mean yeah it's kind of on par with the notebook. Obviously not the time frame. Yeah, I think it could fit. I mean, this whole song totally. it really like a Nicholas Sparks book. And like as someone who Yeah. So yes. Like a great romance. Like romantic. A, a great love. Yes, and I think that the music, like especially in the bridge and the last chorus, like building up like that, that is also something that's like, you know, this is a great love and we're thinking, I'm thinking back on this great love and it's like dramatic and blah, 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 whatever. But I totally get what you're saying. Yeah. With her last chorus, kind of like what we were talking about a little bit earlier, Chandler, the first lines that she says in the last chorus, when you think Tim McGraw, she's almost singing that acapella. Yeah, it's really, it's if so you quiet. like, when you it's listen to quiet. that, yes, the music, yes, it's so quiet, so faint in and the background. Said, and you can hear like the emotion in her voice when she's saying that lyric. And then like what Chandler was saying earlier, that build up on the music. Yeah. And for another thing, that's something that Taylor is so good is conveying emotion with her vocals. Yes. Yes. Still, even to this day. Yeah. Especially when she yes. performs live. Oh, yes. And yes. even in songs that like are complete yeah. quote-unquote folklore like her tales like um and i know again another this is another discussion for another time but like in illicit affairs in that bridge the like emotion she has in her voice when she's singing that bridge even though this is not her story <laughs> at all right you know you would think that that was actually happening to her yeah yeah yeah, yeah. she's really good at that she it's like she's playing like a part like she will be that person or, you know, when she's, these stories are coming to her and she's writing them all down. She's seen like, kind of like, I mean, um, last great American dynasty. I mean, we'll get into that, but like, you know, she right. kind of sees herself as these characters in a way, or they're completely different from her, but you know, she's yeah. putting herself there. Like she's observing, she's like <laughs> writing it down. Which is very hard for anybody. Like, not everybody has that, like, gift, I, I would say, to do. Like, that's a true artist, I feel like. You can see things from a different point of view other than your own. And, yeah, Taylor has it. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Look out for our next episode where we continue our exploration of Taylor Swift's debut album with Picture to Burn. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Handles are listed in our bio. Thanks, everyone. Bye. 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 Toodaloo.